The Interchange is brought to you by Hitachi ABB Power Grids. Are you building a renewable power plant? Looking for a battery storage system? Thinking about how to integrate renewables onto your grid? Hitachi ABB Power Grids is your choice. Meet your goals, unlock new revenue streams, maximize renewable integration, lower carbon emissions. All with Power Grid's innovative control and automation technology. For more, visit the link right there in the show notes. The Interchange is also brought to you by Long E Solar, the world's leading solar technology company. Long E supplies high-efficiency monocrystalline solar modules to all market segments and project types in the U.S. A global market leader, Long E has unmatched bankability, quality, and performance validated by third-party laboratories and has a breakthrough innovation at both the wafer and module level. With Long E products, customers can be sure they're getting technologically advanced, best-in-class solar technology. Well, let's just play the game, buddy. Play right. the game. I think you're just nervous. You're waving your hands all about, frothing who's at the answer, mouth. Who's answering this one? <laughs> this week, the Price is Right Deep Decarbonization Edition. This is The Interchange. I'm Shale Khan. I'm a partner with the venture capital firm Energy Impact Partners. Welcome. So we're doing something a little bit different today. In the tradition of Bob Barker and now Drew Carey, we are going to play a game of The Price is Right. Uh, we, you know, on this show in general, we cover a smorgasbord of figures around some of the hot trends in climate tech and decarbonization. So we wanted to run through a few of the most important ones, but gamify it. So we turn to our producer, Daniel Waldorf, whose name you've heard, but whose voice you've never heard before, to be our statistics gatherer and game show host. Uh, and we brought our old friend, Stephen Lacey, who used to co-host the show and is now our executive producer, back behind the microphone to compete with me once again in a game of The Price is Right, Deep Decarbonization Edition. Let's see how we did. Stephen Eleanor Lacey, welcome back to the interchange. Eleanor, <laughs> is that your? I don't know your middle name. I just took a Cook. wild guess at it. Stephen <laughs> Cook. Cook Lacey, welcome back to the interchange. Thank you. I'm still sitting here in the same five by five cube that you left me in last time. Yeah, it's been you've you've basically been there for the past two years, as far as I can tell, <laughs> emerging only to you know drink some water and like squint your eyes at the sunlight periodically. I have a sump pump over on the other side of the wall, so that's where I get my water. Right. Yeah, you don't even need to go upstairs for that. Uh, well, I am very excited to have you back, just like old times, but we are bringing one additional friend on, Daniel Waldorf, who is there for every single recording that we make, but is never on this side of the microphone. So Daniel, welcome to this side of the mic. Thank you very much. Um, I guess with nobody behind the scenes to uh, yell at you when you have background noise, I don't know who's going to do that now. Yeah. I, and I, also, who's going to do that for me? Steven, is that your job? Yeah, I've already yelled at you before. So <laughs> we started off the recording with me complaining about your white noise. This is going to be like a painful triangle of <laughs> sound nitpicking. Um, <laughs> Daniel, this is your show. I'm handing it over to you. Thank you. Um, so today we are going to follow in the footsteps of the legendary Bob Barker and Drew Carey and uh, do a Price is Right Deep Decarbonization Edition. 
where each of you is going to compete to get as close as you can to different statistics and figures that are going to tell us something interesting about climate tech and the energy transition. So you all are each going to um, have a chance to get as close as possible without going over a statistic. And we'll do a little bit of explaining of what that statistic is and why it matters and then what that actual price, once we reveal it, means to you. I love this. Shale is ultra competitive in everything that he does. <laughs> How competitive are you feeling today, Shale? It's like you said, I wake up in the morning ultra competitive. <laughs> I go to bed ultra competitive. I'm, I'm in this to win it. I wanted to bring you back on just to defeat you again. That's really the whole point. <laughs> it's been a while since I've won at some game on this show. I have been told that in the previous uh, gamified episodes that we've done that I sometimes come across a little too competitive, <laughs> bordering on mean. And I just want to say, I was waiting you. for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, no, nothing. I'm <laughs> well, I am so excited to pit you two against each other. So let's, let's get into it. So again, get closest to the price without going over. If you win, you get a single point. We're going to do multiple rounds. If you both go over, I'm going to reveal the price, but no one gets a point. And if you get right on the price or the figure, you get double points. I just want to point out, I am literally drinking electrolytes right now, <laughs> just to make sure I'm at the top of my game. Are you getting sponsored by Gatorade? No, this is like a hippie Berkeley electrolyte drink, which is not sponsoring me yet, but will soon. <laughs> okay, so let's start with a warm-up round. Uh, we're just going to start with some EVs and some MSRPs. So I'm going to ask you how much each of these cost right now, uh, MSRP, and uh, see how close you get. So we're going to start with a Tesla Model 3. Steven, you go first. All right. So I'm embarrassed. I don't uh, I don't actually know. $36,000? Oh, that's going to be right in range. I don't know whether to go higher or lower. I think MSRP is just... Is I think MSRP is lower than that. I think he's gone over. So I'll say thirty thousand, not because I think it's thirty, but because this is a price of right, and anything between thirty and thirty-six, I will win. And Stephen gets it. The <sighs> MSRP for a Tesla Model Three is thirty-nine thousand nine hundred ninety dollars, according to Tesla's website. All right, uh, off to a rocky start, Shale. But uh, I'm going to hand it off to you. How about an MSRP for a Nissan Leaf? Oh. A Nissan Leaf. I think that's thirty thousand flat. Steven? Twenty eight seven fifty. One for shale, thirty one thousand six hundred and seventy dollars. <laughs> Solid. And I was I just want to point out I was closer <laughs> than Steven was on the model three. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. And hopefully, uh hopefully those EVs keep dropping. I uh my last car was a a, a, a 2016 Prius and I really am kicking myself because I want an EV. All right, next up. This is the 2020 the, the 2023 GMC Hummer base model EV. What do you think it is, Stephen? This is so out of my league. I am going to say $75,000. Oh, that was going to be right around where I was going to guess too. I think it's higher. I say $75,001. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a classic strategy. And Shale gets it. It is $80,000. Oh, that is the scum. estimated MSRP. They haven't come out with the official numbers, but that's what they have on their website. So it is now Stephen 1, Shale 2. All right, let's move through this quick. Next up, the base model 2022 Ford F-150 Lightning, the EV model. 
I think it's like 45,000. 42,000. You both go over. It is, no one gets a point. It is the, uh, it is $39,974. Hot damn. That's not bad. Uh, All right. So we've talked about some EV prices and hopefully they keep dropping. Um, One way they drop is when they drive off the lot and you purchase it. On average, how much do EVs depreciate in three years off the lot? Oh, man. 10%. In three years? Isn't it like, don't cars depreciate like 10% the second (laughs) you drive them off the lot? So I think in three years, it's going to be like 25%. 10%, 25%. Both of you are so off. It is 52%. 1.4 times greater than the average for all vehicles. This is a problem for EVs. At least if you're buying new, if you're like me and you want to use EV, this is a great time to buy an EV. Is that like because of battery degradation or like the drivetrain? What's what do we know? It's also I think it's also because you know EVs are getting better so much faster mm, that interesting. nobody wants the nobody wants the range you had three years ago. You want the range you have right. now. That's a good stat. It's not a good stat actually. It's a bad stat for EVs, but it's it's striking. Okay, so Shell, you might have a leg up on this one. Uh, your turn to guess which EV make and model depreciates at only ten percent in three years. Oh, it's got to be a Tesla. I think it's like the Tesla Model X, maybe. Stephen, do you have a guess? The Hummer, baby. <laughs> uh, it is definitely a Tesla. It is the Tesla Model Three. <sighs> I, I, I might. That was a joke answer. I was gonna, I was gonna slide in with the Model Three, but. Oh sure, um, sure, but you sure. <laughs> you got it. You got to you be got to be ready, Stephen. Okay, let's let's uh, that's our warm up round. Let's move in, move into some more serious stuff here. Um, we know there's a ton of momentum behind EV sales right now. Uh, sale, passenger sales um, of EV vehicles has jumped as a percentage massively in the past few years. But by 2035, what percentage of the U.S. light duty vehicle fleet will be EVs, according to the New York Times? Uh, am I going? Is this me? Steven, this is to you. I'm an avid New York Times reader, um, but I didn't catch this one. So I'm going to say by 2035, it'll be 15%. I think that's too high. 10%. Shell gets it. It is 13%. Mm. That rate is not nearly fast enough for us to really deeply de- decarbonize the U.S. passenger fleet. Um, so my next question is, why is that so slow? Can you name one of the main causes? Oh, we're into trivia now. It's fleet turnover. Yeah, definitely. That's right. Very slow fleet turnover. Engineering has gotten a lot better in the past few years. Uh, U.S. cars are becoming a lot more reliable. So my next question is, what is the average age of light-duty vehicles in in the U.S. right now, Stephen? Oh, seven and a half years. Oh, I was going to say eight years. I guess I'll stick with it. Eight years. You are both close. It is 12 years, according to IHS Market, an economic forecasting firm. That is up from 9.6 years in 2002. So, Shale, won it. You're, you're squeezing me, Shale. What's, what's the, the score right The score now, now is Stephen <laughs> 2, Shale 4. Next up, batteries. Let's just start with a, uh, an important statistic back from 2010. What was the cost per kilowatt hour of a battery pack in 2010? shale oh for like an ev probably um 2010 850 dollars 
I'm going to say um, $1,000. Steven gets it. I should have said $1,100. As soon as I said it. Okay, yeah. so next up, Steven, what is what is the cost as of this year? I'm going to say $150. Mm, $150 is like spot on, I think. I'll say, I think, oh, I think it's like slightly lower. I'll say $130. Oh, Shale gets it just barely oh. $137. <laughs> that wow. according to BNEF. Okay. Nice play, Shale. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And uh important question, Shale. How low does does the price per kilowatt hour of energy storage need to go to make it economically viable for U- the US grid to switch to a one hundred percent wind and solar mix? This according to that is a nonsense question. <laughs> Such a nonsense okay, question. Me, I'm let's... sorry, I can't allow this question. <laughs> okay, what? Well, explain to the audience why it's a nonsense question because I think we're trying for energy literacy. It's here just like too. a fault. Sure, yeah, it's a false. It, it's it's in my humble opinion that's the that's absolutely the wrong way to think about it. Like there is no per, there is no cost at which it would make sense to have a 100% wind and solar grid with with lithium ion batteries. Also, there's no single cost per kilowatt hour. It depends on what the technology is and the duration and all this kind of stuff, but you're going to want a more diverse mix anyway. So, you know, the, the likely scenario for the grid is the batteries become much cheaper. You do deploy a ton of them. You also deploy a ton more wind and solar, but you don't get to a hundred percent that way. You get to 60, 70% that way. And then you supplement that with a bunch of other resources. So where does that stat come from, Daniel, that you were about to cite? Is that from a report? That is from a report. Uh, and those are all very fair criticisms, Shell, because this is a report that um, it's from MIT, including uh, Mika Ziegler and Jessica Transick, who we've had on the show. It is it, the, the methodology was analyzing a few different locations and, and how much energy storage would have needed to cost in those that small sample of locations for wind and solar to uh, supply reliably 100% of electricity in those areas. Okay, so it's they're they're being geographically specific. Very geographically, but there's specific. kind of there's an average number somewhere. Even so, I'd want to dig in. a It's little okay. More. Well, let's just play the game, buddy. Let's play right. the game. I think you're just nervous. <laughs> you're right. waving your hands who's all answer, about, frothing at the mouth. <laughs> uh, this one, this one was um, Stephen. It, it needs to be at 125. Uh, I think if it's if we're trying to get to 100%, you know, reliable, clean electricity, it's, you know, 24-7, 365, we're talking 50 bucks a kilowatt hour, maybe less. Well, neither of you get points because they had 20 bucks a kilowatt hour. But Damn. for the yeah. record, Shelly, I don't know why closer. I said 125. <laughs> I mean, we're like basically there. What a weird, what a weird number to throw out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even 50 was clearly too high. Okay. The Interchange is brought to you by Hitachi ABB Power Grids. Energy resilience is important everywhere. Yet imagine living near the Arctic Circle. Reliable power makes daily life possible, and Hitachi ABB Power Grids battery energy storage system prevents power outages for communities outside Fairbanks. In fact, the innovative system holds the Guinness record for the world's most powerful battery. No matter where you are, energy storage can improve resilience and efficiency, offer greater user availability with smart grid technology, 
integrate solar or wind to reach your sustainability goals, lower electricity bills by reducing load and peak shaving. It's all achievable with energy storage solutions. Learn more about stacking value with energy storage solutions through ABB Power Grids. Follow the link right there in the show notes. We are also brought to you by Longy. Longy is the world's most valuable solar company with a market capitalization of $8.4 billion. It supplies more than 80 gigawatts of solar wafers and modules worldwide each year, about a quarter of global market demand. Longy's modules lead in efficiency and are validated through rigorous testing at leading independent labs and has multiple top awards from testing agencies. With sustainability front and center, Longy partners with the Climate Group and other sustainability leaders pledging to be 100% powered by renewables by 2028. With Longy products, customers can be sure they're getting technologically advanced, best-in-class solar technology. All right, next up, Shell, we're going to switch to solar. What is the cheapest PPA in the world? Oh, it's like uh, 0.9 cents per kilowatt hour. Steven? I actually don't know this number. Uh, It seems to be broken all the time. So I'm going to say 1.2 cents. So I'm a little worried about my statistics because what I have is 1.04 cents per kilowatt hour. Why are you worried about that? Because I bet Shale knows something I don't. Oh, no, uh, I, I'm not confident in exactly that number. I just remember that like the one cent barrier has been approached and possibly surpassed. So you, you could be right. Uh, also, that would make me the winner. So I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> one point for show. All right, Stephen, um, this is a 600 megawatt project in the Middle East. Who is the off taker? Oh, uh, Saudi Aramco. I think it's Neom. It is technically the Saudi Power Procurement Company. Off taking from Aqua Powers, Facilia's PV independent power producer project. So there you have it. And here's an open-ended question. Uh, no points for this one, or points for everybody for this question. Are these the kinds of renewable energy prices that could lead to cost-competitive delivered green hydrogen? Ooh. Yes. Y- yeah, I would think so. <laughs> Is the <this laughs> short answer? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's more it's more complicated than that. Obviously, it depends on the cost of the electrolyzer yeah. and the efficiency of the electrolyzer and how much you're running it, right? Like uh, what capacity factor you're getting power at. But yeah, if you're at a cent per kilowatt hour with 30% capacity factor, that's getting you into the range. All right. Green hydrogen, here we come. Okay, next up, Stephen, this one is for you. This one is from Nat Bullard of BNEF. How much did oil companies invest in, in the energy transition activities in 2020. How much did oil companies invest in energy transition activities? And do uh, energy transition activities, I would have to assume that's project finance, that's mergers and acquisitions. Are we talking about renewable energy specifically or just like EVs, EV chargers? Does they, do they specify? I'm betting it includes all of it. It could mean, yeah, energy trading. It's like renewable energy trading. It's a bunch of different things. Okay. Uh, $50 billion. No, that's too high. Uh, actually, no, $50 billion. I think that's too high. $20 billion. And neither one gets it. It is $11.3 billion. Ooh. Down 17% on, super major. from 2019. <laughs> Yeah, come on, super majors. What are you doing? Measly 11 million. What are you doing? All right, moving on. The EU's benchmark carbon price surpassed what target 
for the first time ever in May. 50 euros a ton. $20 a ton. Double points for shale, 50 euros. What? And Stephen, come on, Actually, it was no, euros. <laughs> We're in Europe. Well, what's what's uh, what's dollars to, to euros? No idea. What's the... It's not, not going to get you there, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about carbon capture and carbon prices now. Shale, this next question is for you. Uh, Stripe announced uh, its negative emissions commitment where they were pledging at least a million dollars per year to pay at any price for the direct removal of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and its sequestration in secure long-term storage. They've done this twice. We are going to be talking about their first round. You get a, uh, We're going to walk through four different companies. The first company we're going to start with is Charm Industrial. How much did they pay per ton and using what technology? Shale. Uh, Charm Industrial injects bio oil underground. That is the technology. And I'm going to guess that they paid like $500 a ton. Steven. I'm going to guess that they inject CO2 into Lucky Charms and they paid $200 per ton. Really close, Steven. Um, they are injecting bio oil underground, uh, mm. but uh, that those two points go to, to shale. They were $600 per ton, but you could have a shot at the next one. I do want to point out CO2 injected into Lucky Charms is, is not like insane. You know, there are some... CO2 utilization companies with like products that we can consume. So air company is probably the main one. They make a vodka that is produced using CO2, uh, which I've had and is, I don't know. I don't know enough about vodka, but it tastes like vodka. Um, so, you know, maybe we'll get lucky charms at some yeah, point. I wonder what... Thank you for making my terrible joke not seem so outlandish. <laughs> I wonder what carbon dioxide tastes like. Hmm. Okay. Next up, uh, Stephen, this one's for you. The company is Carbon Cure. How much did they pay per ton, and what is their technology? Shale is nodding very aggressively here, and I actually don't know the answer to this question. I'm gonna like. This, I'm just gonna push it over is. to Shale. No, yeah. come on, take a this wild guess. Take a wild guess. What is the company again? Carbon Cure. There's a little hint in the name. Carbon Cure. Um, curated blocks of carbon. <laughs> That have been finely, <laughs> Local finely <artisanal>. hung, <laughs> <laughs> covered in salt, and let to to cure for um, at least three weeks, and they paid three hundred and fifty dollars a ton, or they were paid three hundred fifty dollars a ton. I'll, I'll put you out of your misery. Carbon Cure um, injects CO two into cement uh, as part of the cement making process. They I'm guessing they paid like $200 a ton. You know, Shale, you got the first part, first part right, but you did not get the second part right. It is $100 per ton. Ah, cheap. Cheap, cheap. But one point That's for good. Shale. And just just to note, it is eight to three, Shale. Come on, Steven. As long as we keep going with this category, I feel like I'm going to... I'm going to work up a lead. <laughs> okay, next up. Yeah, there was some like structural flaw in the rules last time that gave Shale an advantage, and this is yet another one. I'm starting to wonder who is paying you on the side before these games begin. <laughs> no comment. So, okay, next up, Project Vesta. Shale, how much did they pay, and what is their technology that's the one I actually can't remember. It's like ocean mineralization, I think. Um, and that's expensive stuff, I think. I'll say $800 a ton. Steven? 
Oh, I really don't know. They capture the CO2 on the stage of Silicon Valley meetings inside the fleece vests. Of... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I really don't know. I don't even have a good guess. I'm not going to say any bad jokes this time. $75 a ton. Was I right that it's ocean mineralization? or is it, what, I can't remember what it is. They use ocean mineralization with olivine. Turns out I was wrong about the cost by an order of magnitude. <laughs> yeah, but you definitely know this field. And can we just move on from carbon capture now? We got one more, one more. This is the big one. This is the big one. Climeworks. Steven, this one's for you. Underground injection. And price? And price? 150 all right, we'll end this category <clears throat> with a bang. Direct air capture, $900 a ton. One point. It is indeed direct air capture pulled directly from ambient air, but it is $775 a ton. So actually, that one is for Steven. Wait, he gets a point. Because he didn't go over. <laughs> for nothing because yeah. I didn't get it. Oh, right. All right, good for you. Okay, this is the last round, y'all. It is Shale, 10, Steven, 4. Mm, okay, let's do this. Are you ready shale born ready this one's from rebecca dell previous guest on our show of the climate climate works foundation what per, what portion of all u.s government spending on construction is spent on greenhouse gas intensive building materials like cement steel aluminum and glass Ooh, that's a really classic rebecca dell great stat uh i'll say 25 percent. i would think it would be much higher than that 40 percent Oh, neither of you get a point. It is less than 3%. Wait, what? Less than 3%. And this is that this th is spending on materials, not not like total volume of materials. In other words, the money that the US government spends on construction goes it goes to people probably and a bunch of other stuff oh, yeah. more than it goes okay. to those materials. Yeah. Right. And so of all US government spending on construction, what portion of that construction spending is on things like cement, steel, aluminum, and glass. And it is less than 3% is a very, an incredibly surprising statistic. I should know that because Rebecca's whole thing is, look, you could attach a green premium to that stuff. And like at the, at the end buyer's perspective, it's not going to matter that much. Yeah, that is a good stat. I knew that. Last statistic related to a follow-up to what we were just talking about. If you replaced the cement, steel, aluminum, glass, and other greenhouse gas intensive material building materials in construction with near zero co2 building materials you know low carbon alternatives how much do does climate works predict it would increase the total cost of construction for a project so how many percentage points or how like, many percentage points am i going first on this one steven this one's to you 10 percent. i've learned my lesson from the last question one percent and Shale gets it. That was that. This is this is an unfair one because she came on the show and, and used these statistics. I listened to the episode. Oh well, and it's totally fair. Uh, <laughs> and you assume that I'm listening when people are talking <laughs> on the show, but really, I'm just thinking about the next thing I have to say. <laughs> the answer is one to two percent, which just shows how powerful a buy clean policy could be for the U.S. At least that's what Rebecca Dell argues. And that's our last statistic. Um, you got any questions about like the business of podcasting or <laughs> <laughs> any yeah, stats on audio listenership? Plosives. And... <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so final score, Steven coming in second place, four points, Shale, 11 points. We have ourselves a winner. There must be an all or nothing 
It's a question. Oh, like a de- like a a like a sudden death. Can we switch to Jeopardy, and then we could do like a you know we we bet a certain number of points on a question. Oh, that's it. You must have a, another question kicking around there. Can we do sudden death or something like that? Steven, I don't know. You, it's it's the end of the game. Surely something made the cutting room floor. Okay, let's see. Um, I have one, but we have to use uh, Jeopardy rules for this one. You can bet as many points as you have on this question. So it's final Jeopardy. This is so final Jeopardy four rules. Four or five points? You have four points. Four points. And this is- Yeah, you have 10, 11? How many? I have 11. Thank you very much. Or this is this is from the world of agriculture. How much methane in liters does a cow produce per day? Oof. First, you have to bet your points, Shale. All right. Well, this is only fun if I bet enough points so that Stephen can beat me. So that means I'll 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 I really don't know the answer to this, but for the in the interest of the game, I will I'll bet it all. How many liters of methane per day? God, this is a metric I really don't know. Um, 20. Well, I guess I'll bet four points. 100. Steven wins the game. Would... <laughs> 250 to 500 liters of methane per day. Mm. Steven doubles his I knew points. It was a really high, really high number. Wow. Wow. Thanks, cows. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, now at the end of the game, has doubled his points from four to eight, and Shale has lost all 11 points. How how do you feel about your win, Stephen Lacey? I just want to send a shout out to the cows. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I wasn't a vegetarian before this podcast, but now, just out of pure spite. I, uh, I'm, I'm a pretty competitive person, Shale, but I'm going to... Since we kind of came up with this rule at the end, I'm going to recognize that you were absolutely destroying me before the game. But don't don't give me this pyrrhic <laughs> victory. No, this is this is your win. You take okay. it, enjoy it. All right, I appreciate it. I can see you <laughs> seething over there. Your eyes are half shut. Your grin is a little bit different. No, no big deal. I'm just going to go hang out in my basement with my punching bag for a while. <laughs> Daniel, this was fun. Thank you all for uh, competing on my show. <laughs> Thank you for setting it up, Daniel, and Stephen for coming back. Uh, we will do it again sometime soon, I hope. Thanks, guys. And that's The Price is Right, Deep Decarbonization Edition. As always, we'd love your feedback, particularly on this episode. Did we get any stats wrong? Are there stats we should use in the next uh, price is right. I'm certain that we're going to do it again. Also, as always, give us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate that. If you do want to get in touch, you can tweet at us at, at Interchange Show, or you can send us an email to contact at postscriptaudio.com. Do you know somebody else who enjoys game shows and deep decarbonization? The Venn diagram is large, as I understand it. Send the show to that person, please. The Interchange is produced by Postscript Audio. Our producer, and this time our game show host, is Daniel Waldorf. Our executive producer, and this time our lucky victor, is Stephen Lacey. I'm Shale Khan, and this is The Interchange. The Interchange.